Hey, welcome back to episode six of Second Story Work, the novel. I'm Josh Zawalski, author of Second Story Work. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be listening to chapters 17 through 19. Last week, chapter 16 ended with Derek being dumped and coming to the realization that being good didn't lead to anything good, as he and the boys chatted about how the world was no longer a moral place. Please enjoy chapters 17 through 19. Chapter 17, December 19th, 2008. Messi and Derek arrived via taxi at the Vancouver International Airport. It was Friday morning before Christmas, and the airport was packed. The boys' flight was set to depart at 8.30 a.m., and they arrived with time to spare. Derek could feel his wallet busting at the seams. He had stuffed it with nearly five grand that he had planned to use for the trip. He waited with the luggage while Messi went to the bathroom. As soon as Messi was out of sight, Derek dropped an envelope with $500 in Messi's luggage and zipped it up. He felt good to actually help someone, even if that someone was a fellow criminal. Derek knew that his parents were going to be shocked when he arrived home. He hadn't cut his hair since the previous January, and he'd grown a full beard for the first time. His tattoo count had tripled from two tattoos up to six, with more on the way in the new year. Messi walked back from the bathroom and stepped in line. Derek spotted some white powder under his nose. Did you bump in there? Yeah, replied Messi. Don't worry, I brought some for you too. That wasn't my concern, Messi. Dude, I'm not bringing it on the plane. You think I'm that fucking stupid? I don't know, Mess. Sometimes I wonder. The boys checked in for their flight and dropped off their luggage. Messi brought enough cocaine for the boys to do a few more lines in the bathroom before getting a coffee and boarding their plane. By the time they got on the flight, the buzz was gone and they slept. Derek woke up hours later to find the passengers deboarding. It was minus 17 in Ottawa, a far cry from the 5 degrees they had left behind in Vancouver. Derek's father picked them up and drove them back to Renfrew. He shared stories about Zagadka that fascinated Messi. They arrived at Derek's parents' home. Messi's dad picked him up there. Derek walked into his childhood house and set down his luggage. His mom and his brother Danik ran downstairs to the front foyer and hugged him. The home was a modest raised bungalow. As soon as Derek walked inside, he could smell his mom's cooking. She had her roast chicken, homemade french fries, and gravy on the menu with an apple pie for dessert. They sat down and Derek enjoyed dinner with his family and had three slices of apple pie. They chatted. So tell me, Derek, what's the city like? Asked Derek's father, Peter. Crime ridden, joked Derek. Maybe Zagadka lives there, added Danik. Could be. They never found him, said Peter. D.B. Cooper lives there too, I bet, Danik joked. Ah, they never found him either. Peter cracked a smile. Derek looked over at his mom, Lena. She rolled her eyes at Peter and then at Derek. Peter was obsessed with the mystery surrounding Zagadka. It annoyed Lena. After dinner, Derek's friends arrived and they headed to Ottawa. They met up at O.C.'s house in the city and worked on a good buzz before cabbing to a pub on York Street. They checked their coats and they were standing at the bar by 11.15 p.m. Derek ordered makers and stood at the bar next to O.C. waiting for his drink. His drink was placed in front of him. Derek grabbed it and took one step back from the bar. He bumped into a fellow patron of the bar. He turned, looked the man up and down, and realized it was none other than Messi. They high-fived in celebration. No fucking way. What's up? Yelled Derek. 
Nothing, man. I'm high as fuck. Derek grinned. Nice. Yeah, man. I think I'm going to jam pissers with this sweet little nine iron tonight. Derek looked messy, straight in the eye. What the fuck's a nine iron? Yeah, anyway, I wanted to thank you for the money, said Messi, slurring his words. He placed his hand on Derek's shoulder. I bought the family gifts. Derek laughed and took a sip of his drink. I bet you didn't. I won't forget it, dude. I owe you. Messi nodded his head. You don't owe me, Messi, Derek replied. Oh, I do. And here's a down payment. Messi held his hand for a handshake. Derek extended his hand and felt Messi slap a baggie into it. Derek looked down at his fingertips. It was blow. Have fun, said Messi as he walked away. He was messing up Derek's plans. He had no intention of getting into coke this weekend. He wanted to stay clean. It had really become a problem for him. Maybe just one bump, he thought. He didn't have enough to get high, but he had enough to have a bit of a good time. It was a gram, maybe a gram and a half, and it wasn't the quality that Derek had become accustomed to. As he was thinking about doing it, he received a text message. It was from Messi. It read, If you want more, the guy is at my table. Derek walked over to Messi's table. A few hours later, the boys returned to OC's place with a group of girls. It seemed like simple math. Four girls, four guys, four bedrooms in the house. The party went late into the evening, but Derek had a hard time having fun. Beth was still choking him up. He was still upset that he'd hurt her. Derek tried to be happy, but he wasn't feeling it. He walked outside to the front porch and had a cigarette. He stood on the porch, smoking and watching the snow fall ever so gently onto the ground. The city lights illuminated the sky on what was a beautiful Ottawa night. Derek pulled out his keys and his Coke tin. He quickly bumped the line off one of his keys. He closed the tin, tucked it away, and continued smoking. His tin was given to him by a liquor rep. It was designed for mints, but Derek used it to keep his Coke. The front door swung open and OC walked outside to join Derek on the porch. He pulled out his pack of cigarettes and took out a single smoke. He placed it between his lips and lit it. They stood there awkwardly on OC's front porch for what felt to Derek like an eternity. You're getting good at meeting girls, eh? OC commented. Yeah, you know. Maybe one day I'll write a book. Derek laughed. You might need to, to support your massive fucking coke habit. OC looked Derek dead in the eyes. Derek's jaw hit the deck. OC continued. I can see it in your face and your behavior. You are high as fuck right now. I guess this is ongoing? No, dude, said Derek as he attempted to wrap his head around what OC was saying to him. It's just a once in a while kind of thing. OC nodded his head. I love you, man, but I don't believe you. OC paused for another second to try to regain his train of thought. Tears began to stream down his face. If you're doing it a lot or you have a problem, I would hope that you could be honest with me and come to me. I would listen to you and I would be there for you. Derek nodded and went back inside. Chapter 18, October 4th, 2009. Mandy's car was a brand new 5 Series BMW. She pulled into the parking lot at 7 p.m. Derek exited his motel room and waved to Mandy. He approached the passenger side door of the car and climbed in. Nice car. Yeah, my dad's friend owns the dealership here. I'd drive something less arrogant otherwise. Lucky you. Where are we going? 
asked Derek. Mandy smiled. Do you like Thai? I love it. Mandy put the car in drive and drove out of the motel parking lot. What do you do for a living, Derek? I actually own a food truck with three of my friends, he answered. He knew full well that he would have to tell a lot of half-truths. Oh, cool. What do you do? I'm the chef. Mandy was surprised. Oh, well, this won't be much of a culinary experience for you. Derek snickered. That's okay. I cook mostly Polish food anyway. She turned her car onto Bow Valley and drove into a parking lot to a Thai restaurant called Thai Bogota. Mandy turned to Derek and grinned. Isn't Polish food bad? They began to exit the car and Derek laughed. No, it's awesome. They walked inside the restaurant and were seated near a window. Mandy picked up a menu. I have to confess something. What's that? asked Derek. I googled you today. Derek grew concerned. Oh, what came up? You set an OHL record for penalty minutes by a goalie. Derek laughed and it caught the attention of other patrons of the restaurant. Yeah, now you know why I don't play hockey for a living. The waiter approached the table and Mandy ordered a pad thai. Derek had a spicy seafood yam to lay. Who's the best hockey player you ever played against? asked Mandy. Patrick O'Sullivan. Oh, really? asked Mandy as she sipped her water from a straw. I could never stop the guy. That's crazy. Do you know him? Mandy was curious. Nope, not really. Spoke to him at the rink once or twice. He was a nice dude. Do you make a good living doing the food truck thing? Mandy wondered. Wow, getting right to it, eh? Said Derek as he smiled. I'm to the point, Derek. Life's too short to dance around things. Let's start small. What's the food truck called? Eat it and beat it, answered Derek with a smirk on his face. No, it isn't, said Mandy, tilting her head in disbelief. I swear to God, said Derek, putting one hand over his heart and the other hand in the air. See, here's the thing. We've got no room for these people to sit. So you get your food, you eat it, and you beat it. The food arrived at the table and they began to eat. Did you name the pooch? asked Mandy. I did, replied Derek. I called him Moose because he barrels around like one. That's a terrible name. What about Milo? asked Mandy. He's a big manly dog. He needs a manly name. What about Wyatt? Mandy suggested. Oh, I like that. January 3rd, 2009. Messi and Derek cabbed home from the airport after their flight back to Vancouver. They would have some time at the house before Hecky and Arlov returned. Derek walked up the steps to the house and noticed footprints on the door, like someone had been trying to kick it in. Messi approached the door, touched one of the prints, and it swung open. Both men jumped back. Why is the door open? asked Messi. I thought they were both gone. Shh, said Derek, giving Messi the sign to shut up. Derek reached for a Louisville slugger in the front closet and walked around the corner. There was nothing. He paused and slowly walked down the hall to the kitchen. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see that the kitchen had been ransacked. Someone had broken into their house and destroyed everything. Messi followed Derek around another corner to the living room. It was a disaster. Derek and Messi walked through the living room and checked Arlov's room. No one was there. They walked back to the staircase and Derek whispered to Messi, Call 911. Messi dialed 911 while Derek walked up the stairs and checked the three bedrooms. His room was tossed. The thieves, who appeared long gone, had stolen the few valuable things that he owned. He did a quick inventory of the other rooms and noticed that the thieves took 
Hecky's PS3, Arlov's Xbox, the TV, a Blu-ray player, and then it hit him. They took what was left of the money. Dare quickly called Arlov. No answer. He then dialed Hecky. He picked up on the first ring. Hecky, listen, it's Sarge. Listen for a minute, shut the hell up. Where is it? Where's what? Hecky asked. It. The house got jacked. Hecky immediately knew what Derek was referring to. Oh, fuck. It was under my bed. Derek ran into Hecky's room and checked. The safety deposit box was there. The money was not. It's gone. On the other end of the phone line, there was nothing but breathing. Cops are on their way, said Derek as he hung up the phone. Messi hollered at Derek as he ran downstairs to Arlov's room. He was standing near the closet holding an empty deposit box. They walked out the front door and sat down on the step. They got everything, said Derek. Messi nodded. Derek lit a smoke. A few minutes later, the officers arrived. They began looking around to assess the situation. Messi and Derek took lawn chairs out of the backyard and sat out front waiting for the police to do their work. Derek was about to light another cigarette when his phone rang. Hello? Hey, it's Arlov. Sup? House got robbed, bud. Fuck off, scoffed Arlov. I'm dead serious, dude. Fuck, really? Really, said a subdued Derek. God damn it, Arlov exclaimed. While Arlov was still coming to terms with the robbery, Derek spotted Roby and Anna walking towards the house. Cops are here. I gotta run, said Derek as he ended the call. He greeted Anna and Roby. I can't believe this happened again. Looks that way, replied Roby. Do you mind if we look around? Hey, we called you, replied Derek. Messi and Derek stepped aside and let them pass. As Anna walked by, Derek caught Messi checking her out. Who's that? asked Messi. That's his partner. Fuck, Messi exclaimed. Smoke show. Derek nodded. An hour later... Roby and Anna emerged from the house and removed their gloves. I'm sorry this happened to you, boys. Your insurance will walk you guys through what to do next. Um, we don't have insurance, said Derek, dumbfounded. I didn't know we needed insurance. I always thought landlords had insurance. They do, Roby hesitated as he replied. Not for your stuff, though. Fuck, said Messi as he turned and looked at Derek. What's your concern, Messi? All you lost was half a bottle of Calvin Klein. Roby interrupted. Look, boys, I'll do what I can to nail whoever did this, but our chances aren't good. Thank you, sir, said Derek as he shook Roby's hand and then Anna's. The police left and the boys were free to return inside and pick up the pieces. Derek and Messi cleaned their rooms along with the living room. With the place tidied, they sat down beside each other on the couch. They had no TV to watch, no stereo to listen to, and no liquor to drink. They just sat there waiting for the shitstorm to occur when Hecky came home. After an hour of waiting, Derek could hear Hecky stomping up to the front door. The door opened quickly and slammed shut. Hecky kicked off his boots and stomped into the living room. The police know who did it? I don't know, replied Derek. They were in here for like three hours doing their thing. They'll find them. Really? Hecky asked sarcastically. Did they find the guys that robbed the liquor store? Even after they were in their fucking house? Would you just shut the fuck up? yelled Messi. Really? Hecky yelled at Messi. How much money did you lose? None, you fucking junkie piece of shit. Derek interjected. Hey, calm down. We're in this shit together, all right? Messi's pissed off too. We all feel violated. Derek took a deep breath and let the boys breathe. How much you lose, Hecky? I don't know. Around 8,500. 
What about you? 4K, Derek replied. Our love? Asked Tacky. I'm not sure, but I would bet it's closer to 20. Jesus Christ, Hecky exclaimed. We really should have left that money in the locker. He walked over to the fridge and grabbed the last beer. Derek nodded. Yeah, well, hindsight's 2020. Well, I guess we should get a lock and maybe some food, huh? Hecky suggested. And a TV, said Messi. Derek was a little bit relieved that he no longer had the distraction of all that money. Paying his bills was going to suck, but he knew that as long as he had all that extra cash lying around, nothing good was going to be done with it. He would just blow it all on drugs. But the robbery was tough on our love. He had plans to buy a red camera and a lighting kit. He had goals other than getting high. Derek felt bad that the only person in the house with honest plans had lost all their money while the other boys blew through theirs. A few days later, Derek was watching television and killing time before his afternoon shift at work. At 1 p.m., the doorbell rang. Derek walked to the front door and answered it. Anna was standing outside. Hey, Anna, how can I help you? I have pictures of some potential suspects. I just wanted to see if maybe you had seen any of them at the store or maybe in your neighborhood. Derek nodded his head. Sure, come on in. Anna stepped inside and Derek closed the door behind her. She kicked off her work boots and followed Derek into the kitchen. Can I get you a drink? I just made some coffee. Sure, black would be nice, Anna replied. Should I put the file on the table? Yeah, go ahead, have a seat. Sorry, we don't have a real table yet. Anna sat on the couch and waited while Derek poured their coffees. He carried both cups over to the living room and set Anna's down in front of her. She opened the dossier and smiled as she felt Derek's eyes look at her. He sat across from her and noticed how incredibly put together she was. So what am I looking at here? He asked. This is kind of a long shot, but I wanted to see if any of these guys look familiar to you. Anna pushed the file toward Derek. He began to look through the headshots. All these guys are thieves? He asked. Anna laughed. Not exactly. They're persons of interest in different cases. Jesus. Derek looked up. I should move to a new area, huh? Anna laughed. Maybe. It took until the 30th page of the Facebook until Derek finally recognized somebody. He'd seen him in the corner store buying rollies and cigarettes. The man was slight, had scraggly receding hair and piercing gunmetal blue eyes. He walked with a slouch and talked like trouble. He always gave Derek a bad vibe. He could feel it in the pit of his stomach. This kid had robbed them. Anna sat up in her seat as Derek studied the photo. Him, Derek stated confidently. Anna took a look and nodded. Him what? She asked. I've seen him around before. Really little dude. Maybe he could have been the short one from the robbery? Really? Anna exclaimed. Definitely. Those blue eyes, icy blue. Who is he? Anna looked closer at the picture and read notes on the file. His name's Kent Sanderson. He's been in and out of jail a bunch of times. Looks like B&E's mostly. I don't know, Derek. Seems like a stretch for this guy to knock off a liquor store. Well, maybe, Derek replied. Keep looking if you don't mind, Derek. Maybe someone else in there looks familiar. He continued to look through the pages, but none of the faces stuck out to him. No one else, Derek shook his head. Okay, that's really helpful though, Derek. We'll, uh, we'll look into him. Let me ask you something, Derek smiled. What are the odds of solving either of these cases? Pretty good, Anna replied, optimistically. Is it? Derek asked. Messy and Hecky, they don't think so. Why's that, Derek? 
I don't know. Their dads are just, you know, both retired cops, maybe a little bit bitter. They just said from what they can tell that these cases are tough to solve. Ah, don't worry, Derek. We'll solve it. Okay, he replied. How long have you guys lived here? Asked Anna. Since February. Do you like Vancouver? She followed up. I love the food. I'm a bit of a chef myself, so I do enjoy the cuisine. You cook? Asked Anna, surprised. I do. Mostly Polish food. Derek pointed to the kitchen. Would you like to stay for dinner? Anna tripped on her words for a moment. Oh, um, no, I don't think I can. I have to run, you know, uh, with the information you gave me. Rain check? Yeah, sure. You name the time and place. Derek cracked a smile. Okay, well, I guess I better go. Derek caught Anna checking him out as she stood up and followed him to the front door. She opened it to let herself outside. She nearly bumped into Hecky as he was walking up to the house. Hi, he said as he extended out his hand. I'm Riley. I live with Derek. Anna shook Hecky's hand. Hi, Riley. I'm Sergeant Johnson. I'm investigating the break and enter. Oh, thank you so much for that, said Hecky as he faked in an exuberant smile. I won't hold you up. Derek and Hecky waved to Anna as she was leaving. Hecky kicked off his shoes and both men walked into the kitchen. Hecky grabbed two ice-cold Dos Equis, popped the tops, and handed one to Derek. So what was that about? She brought a Facebook full of potential suspects. I actually recognized one of the guys walking around here. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah? You think he ripped us off? Asked Hecky. Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually. Fucking guy is wired. I just pointed the finger at him for the liquor store, though. Why'd you do that? Asked Hecky. Now we can't get to him if the police are watching him. Derek cocked his head. Get to him. Are we the fucking CIA now? Making shifts and moves? Hecky grinned a little bit. Probably not, but we could keep an eye on him. If something opened up, we'd have options. Let's let police police, said Derek, as he made a stop sign gesture with both of his hands. I don't know, Sarge. I think we should have a look at him. If you say so, replied Derek. You got a name? Asked Hecky. Kent Sanderson. Hecky reached for his laptop on a side table in the living room. What are you doing? Asked Derek. Looking him up. You won't find much, said Derek as he scoffed. Got him. He lives over on Hardy. Jesus Christ, said Derek, shaking his head in disbelief. Is there any anonymity left in this world? Hardy, Hardy. That's over by the playground, I think. Judging by this kid's pics, it looks like he hangs out at Shark Club a lot. Which one? asked Derek. Hecky smiled. Burnaby. Derek laughed out loud. What say we go have a drink? Hecky nodded in agreement. Maybe we could spin by Hardy on the way over? Okay, replied Derek. Yo, an added bonus, said Hecky. His status says rents her out of town for a week. Hecky paused for a moment. If we do this shit, it's got to be tonight. Wait, 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 said Derek. If we do what shit? What exactly are we doing? We follow him and we try to see if he ripped us off, replied Hecky. How are we ever going to know that? Asked Derek. We'll see what he does. If he's blowing tons of money, it's a pretty good bet he ripped us off. Chapter 19, January 2009. Hecky and Derek waited a few hours for Messi and Arlov to get home from work. Once home, they all loaded into the Windstar and made the short drive to Hardy Court. The homes on the street were large and beautiful, 
It was a much more affluent neighborhood than Woodsworth Avenue. Hecky parked his van roughly 100 yards away from Kent's house and studied the other cars on the street. There were a few Honda Civics and Pontiac Sunfires and one other Ford Windstar with tinted windows and no stickers. The vehicle didn't have anything you'd expect to see from a vehicle driven almost exclusively by soccer moms. Hecky pointed to it. There's Anna's undercover. Are these guys even trying? Asked Messi. Sure doesn't look like it, replied Hecky. This doesn't bode well for us, though. We can't do anything in this house, said Derek. We could always go through the park and around back, Hecky suggested. I'd be surprised if these guys are watching both sides of the house. Arlov shook his head. We are not cut out for this shit. We aren't gangsters. Yeah, that might work, said Messi as he nodded his head. Snatch him while he's out. Bring him in through Harwood Park. Arlov spoke up. Am I on mute? Like, are you guys seriously talking about adding kidnapping to our list of done deeds? Let's just leave it alone. Like, I don't even care about the money. Yeah, we have to get to him first, said Hecky, further ignoring Arlov. How are we going to do that? The boys rolled over to the Shark Club and convened at a booth for a drink. Shark Club was a spacious, dimly lit nightclub. There was a large bar, a dance floor, and multiple tables scattered throughout. A waitress approached Derek just as he sat down. Can I get some drinks for you boys? Four Caesars, extra spicy. Messi and Derek sat in a booth facing the dance floor, while Hecky and Arlov did a lap of the bar looking for Kent Sanderson. Derek took a long, slow look around and didn't recognize anyone. Hecky and Arlov returned moments later from the rooftop. They walked over to the table and sat down. Anything? asked Derek. Yeah, he's up there, Hecky answered. He's surrounded by a bunch of wannabe gangsters. Any chance of getting to him? Derek asked. Not unless he goes to his car. Why don't we just go to his house? Asked Messi. Oh, sure. Let's just pop on over and ransack the place, said Arlov sarcastically. No, you meathead, replied Messi with vitriol. We go in through the park. We wait for him in the backyard. Kid smokes, right? You think he's going to smoke in his parents' house? He probably smokes weed out back. We grab him there. It's a lot of probabilities, said Hecky. An hour later, the boys were creeping in the dark through Harwood Park. They took cover under a set of shrubs in the Sanderson backyard. For the next two hours, they hid in silence. In that time, very little happened. One neighbor let his pug out to piss. Another one had a cigarette and a drink on his deck. The boys were betting that Kent would come home alone. If he brought even one person home, it meant that they'd wasted their time and risked the police catching them. Moments later, the back gate opened and then quietly closed. Footsteps on the wet grass soon followed. Derek could see the shadow of a large man walking towards him. The man lurked outside the windows. He began shining a flashlight into the house. Was this the neighborhood thief? Derek started going over things in his head. Would they need to jump this guy if they were caught? He watched the large man reach for a cell phone and speed dial a third party. Yo, Roby, said the man. All's quiet. Am I good to go home? A few seconds went by. 10-4. The cops were packing it in for the night. If Kent did come home alone, they could make their move. The man walked across the wet grass, opened the gate, and left. What should we do? Asked Messi. We should move on the house, said Hacky. We move in five minutes and see if this guy ripped us off. The boys looked at each other and nodded in agreement. Five minutes later, the house lit up like a Christmas tree. 
Someone walked out back and turned the lights on. The boys ducked out of sight and rolled down their ski masks. Kent stumbled drunkenly into the kitchen. He walked into a table, grabbed a television remote, and turned on the TV. He then stumbled back over to the kitchen and pulled a few items out of the fridge. He placed them on the large kitchen island. Derek peeked through the shrubs and could see Kent picking out a plate and eating like a pig. Kent grabbed a beer and took a gulp of it as he walked towards the back door. What's the plan now? asked Derek. Messi shrugged his shoulders as Hecky fidgeted. Derek couldn't see what Hecky was doing. A second later, he couldn't see Hecky at all. Where the fuck did he go? thought Derek. Kent walked out the patio door and sat down in a lawn chair. He lit a cigarette and took a long, deep drag. It had been hours since Derek had a smoke. His cravings were so strong that his hands were shaking. What are we going to do? whispered Arlov. Messi and Derek didn't know what to do, and Hecky was nowhere to be found. Kent finished his cigarette and discarded it in an ashtray. He stood up and opened the patio door to go inside. As he did, Arlov coughed. Kent stopped in the doorway and slowly turned around. The boys did their best to stay low and out of sight. Derek peeked through the shrubs and spotted Hecky. He was inside the house, approaching Kent slowly from behind. Kent turned on the porch light and continued to look around the backyard from the patio doorway. Derek locked eyes with him and froze. Kent pointed at Derek. As he did, Hecky wrapped a belt around his neck from behind and began to choke him. Kent struggled and pushed back into Hecky. He was able to hold on, but he couldn't match Kent's brute strength. Hecky held his own as he took elbows in the head and waited for help from the other boys. Kent's elbows threw both of them back into the kitchen. The boys bum-rushed Kent. Messi was the first to run inside. His military training kicked in. He hit Kent twice as Messi swept Kent's legs out from under him. Sanderson fell and whacked the side of his head against the edge of the granite countertop. On his way to the ground, his face slammed into the slate tile floor. Jesus Christ, yelled Derek. I thought I could take him, said Hecky, out of breath. Derek rolled Kent onto his back. His face was a mangled, bloodied mess, and his teeth were scattered on the floor. Derek checked his vitals. Hecky had punched his ticket. Is he breathing? asked Hecky. No, he isn't breathing. He just slammed his head off a rock slab. Messi and Arlov both began yelling. Fuck, 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 fuck. Close that fucking door, yelled Derek, and turn the lights off. Arlov shut the patio door, and Messi looked to dim the lights. You just killed this guy for no fucking reason, yelled Messi. Hecky held up Kent's wrist. He was wearing Hecky's watch. For good reason, Messi. This cunt ripped us off. We need to find our other shit. Check upstairs shouted Hecky. What do we do with him? Asked Arlov. Can we save him? This isn't on you, Arlov, said Hecky. I got in here. I started and ended this whole thing. Put that shit out of your head. There's no saving him. It's, it's done. What are we going to do with him, Hecky? Asked Derek. The boys stood in the dark with the dead body of an enemy. Hecky had gotten them in way over their heads. A half hour went by and no one said a word. They were clueless. Derek went through a wide range of emotions. Rage, empathy, he really didn't know how to feel. That's when it hit him. The police would be back in the morning. Fuck me, yelled Derek. The cops are probably coming back. Jesus Christ, said Messi. You're right. 
you know what? Said Derek as he grabbed the boy's attention. I'd rather think about this at home. We need to get him out of here, get this cleaned, and fucking hit the road. Can we do that quickly, neatly? I think we can. Messi nodded. Hecky agreed. Yeah, but we can't exactly roll up on the Windstar and stroll out with the corpse. Derek knew he needed to take control. He took a deep breath and began to take things over. Okay, let's do this. Hecky, toss me your keys. Messi and I will drag him out of here to the car. You clean up this goddamn mess. And Arlov, you go gather all the shit from his room. And while you're up there, grab some other shit too. First things first, everyone needs gloves. Messi and Derek exited Kent's home through the patio door into the backyard. They walked out into Harwood Park. They strolled in the dark through the field to the van that was parked a few blocks away. Derek vomited all over the ground. He stood back up and took a deep breath. Then he threw up again. After another deep breath, he finally composed himself. I'm thinking we should back the van to the end of the court and maybe use the shrubs as cover. I've got no problem dragging him in the dark. It's just getting him out of the house unnoticed. Messi agreed. Yeah, dude, not a bad idea. I'll drive over there in like maybe 10 minutes. The two men approached Hecky's van and unlocked the door. Messi pulled out a bag and grabbed gloves. He handed one set to Derek and kept the other three. He jumped in the van as Derek began to sprint back across the park to Kent's house. Derek walked back into the kitchen and noticed that Hecky had made a makeshift bandage for Kent's head to slow down the bleeding. He knelt down and folded Kent's arms across his chest and placed a blanket next to his body. Derek rolled Kent's body onto the blanket and wrapped it around him. He and Arlov then dragged Kent's lifeless body across the kitchen and outside to the backyard. In the backyard, they continued to drag Kent towards Harwood Park. They dragged his body alongside Kent's home toward Hardy Court. That was where Messi would meet them. He hadn't yet arrived with the van. Derek crouched down and waited for Messi to pull around. 30 seconds later, the Windstar turned the corner and drove towards him. Kent's body was already in position when Messi turned the van around and backed it up. He popped the trunk and Derek yanked it open. They lifted Kent into the van and Messi shut the trunk. Drive like a block from here and we'll meet you, said Derek. Messi jumped into the van and drove slowly into the darkness. Derek ran back through Harwood Park and the Sanderson backyard into the house. How's it going? He asked. Hecky answered him. Can you clean the counters? Derek grabbed some of Kent's clothing and began soaking up blood from the countertops. After cleaning up all the blood, he tossed Kent's clothes into a nearby garbage bag. He looked around the kitchen. It was pretty clean. No traces of a struggle. Hecky and Derek stuffed the garbage bag full of evidence to take with them. Derek threw the bag onto the patio stones in the backyard and waited for Arlov to come down from upstairs. A minute later, Derek heard Arlov running down the stairs. He had a suitcase in each hand and a duffel bag on each shoulder. Let's fucking go, boys, said Derek. The boys hustled through the kitchen, shutting every light off and closing every curtain. They exited the home through the back doors. On the way out, Derek picked up the garbage bag and carried it with him. Messi met the boys one street over on Hardwick. They piled into the van and drove home. Messi did his best not to arouse any suspicion. Should we really have the brown guy driving? Asked Arlov. Fuck off, Messi shot back as he pulled the Windstar into the garage. Arlov jumped out of the van and quickly closed the garage door behind them. The boys scattered and began to pull everything out of the van except Kent's body in the garbage bag. They lugged the bags of stolen goods into the house and piled them in the living room. Jesus Christ, 
How did this guy carry this much shit out of our house? Asked Messi. Even with four of us, fucking impossible. Oh, this isn't just what he stole from us, said Arlov. I grabbed a lot of other shit too. Arlov walked into the room and opened one of the suitcases. It was full of $150 bills. Jesus, exclaimed Messi. Fucking A, Hecky exclaimed. Derek shook his head in disbelief. Guys, what are we going to do about the dead kid in the garage? Well, you're the smart one, yelled Messi. Think of something. Oh, okay, bud. Let me see. What do I usually do with rotting carcasses in my garage? Derek snapped his fingers. Oh, right. I toss them in the back of my pickup and take them to the local dump because I dispose of bodies every goddamn fucking day. Lower your voices, said Arlov. And fuck you, Messi. Why don't you figure it out? Your dad was a cop. Look, boys, we're in this shit together, said Hecky in a calming voice. Derek took a deep breath to try and calm down. Okay, well, look, he can't stay here and we're losing darkness. Thanks so much for listening to episode six of Second Story Work, the novel. If you like my work, you can follow me on Facebook at Author Josh Sabalski, on Instagram at the same handle, and I'm also on Twitter at Author J Sabalski. I also host a podcast with my good friend Corey Leckie titled Second Story, which is a podcast where we interview guests who have gone through a massive change in their life that have sent them on a second story or a second journey, if you will. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll be back next week to bring you a brand new episode. Take care.